there's these weird moments where stuff just kind of connects in a way that maybe to an objective onlooker it doesn't even look crazy i mean sometimes there's synchronicities that everyone can observe but inherently to you there's some deeper meaning welcome to the art of humanity i'm your host jessica ann this is my podcast where you can listen for fresh perspectives with artists leaders authors and your favorite entrepreneurs you can explore creativity and consciousness evolve your business with the art of humanity now here's this week's episode Hi, I'm Jessica Ann, and welcome to another episode of The Art of Humanity. This podcast is my expression, where I talk about things that are coming up for me personally and what I observe in the collective. Today's episode is all about synchronicity. Carl Jung has said, synchronicity is an ever-present reality for those who have eyes to see. My life is a series of synchronicities. The present guides me from moment to moment as I make decisions Hopping on spontaneous flights, moving to a new city, starting a new hobby or a business, life lights me up. And absorbing the new consciousness that's infiltrating the planet right now is a full-time job. If you listened to my interview with Seth Godin, you may have heard how we can incorporate the softer side of marketing culture. This is why I'm so passionate about my three-word rebellion, which is humanize your brand. It's because the tools to grow your business are inside of you. They're not in Slack. They're not in Evernote. They're not in any of the fancy time tracking tools because, hint, hint, time tracking does not expand your consciousness. But do you know what does expand your consciousness and increase synchronicities? When you stop doing, quote unquote, what you're supposed to do and you start living in juicy, liberating alignment. When you stop living in fear of what others think of you and you start showing up as you to become the conscious creator of your reality. When you develop the self-knowledge to live life on your own terms, you learn how to run that business so you can bring in more money and you attract your target audience. When we connect to our bodies and our intuition, we can connect to greater synchronicities. But often we dismiss these things because they're challenging or they run counterintuitive to how we're taught. But I'm inviting you to explore with curiosity and grace. The truth is that many of the problems of the modern world no longer need to weigh you down with a new consciousness. When you humanize your brand through knowing who you are, you live in juicy, liberating alignment, and you stop guessing yourself to start showing up as authentically you. You put full trust in the universe, and you're divinely guided by synchronicity and magic. We live in a world where 3D consciousness is broken. What do I mean by 3D consciousness? Maybe you wake up, you go to a job that you can't stand, and work for a boss who forces you to track every second of your time. You start to lose that joie de vivre because you realize you're a pawn in someone else's game. You beg the clock to strike five so you can go home and drink in front of the TV so you can fall asleep, only to do it again the next day. I'm here as living proof that there's more to life than living like this. And the only way is to live in alignment with your higher self, to defy our culture's marketing programming. We need to create a new story of what it means to be human. And to create a new story of what it means to be human means you will need to become a quantum human. It's removing yourself from negativity and self-sabotage, removing your habits and patterns that have been holding you back so that you can rise above and you can fulfill your potential. I spent the past few years running a marketing agency and I've compiled everything you need to activate your human potential. 
This is a proprietary approach that I teach that grows businesses 10 times the rate of doing it the traditional way. If you're ready to transform your life to start a freedom-based business or to scale your current business, this moment is further proof of the power of synchronicity. Whether you're listening to this message the day that it's published or many moons later, this message is meant for you. If you want to gain deeper self-knowledge, develop the sovereignty to live life on your own terms, and bring epic content to life, I'd love to talk with you to map out your blueprint. You can DM me on Instagram at beingishuman, and that's a new Instagram handle, by the way, beingishuman, or email me at hello at artofhumanity.io to learn more. Again, that's hello at artofhumanity.io. Let my story help you get to a place where you're no longer living by a society's rules. If you want to customize a business and a lifestyle that works for you, your special, unique self, then DM me at beingishuman, B-E-I-N-G-I-S-H-U-M-A-N. I'm so thrilled to keep seeing the reviews pop up. Andy Turbo from the UK left this review. I love the diversity in guests. From marketing professionals to mindfulness gurus, Jessica keeps bringing the good stuff. Not to mention her soothing voice in which you can hear a lot of passion for what she does. Glad I found this podcast by accident on YouTube. It appears to be another one of those I'm going to keep binge listening through. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Andy. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review it. Also, if you're listening on mobile, Apple Podcasts has made it super easy to share. Just go to the three dots on the bottom right of your screen and click copy link to then share it with two friends who may enjoy this episode. Thank you in advance for sharing. If you're new to the show and you want to get a list of my favorite books and resources on awakening and higher consciousness, there's a new addition to the artofhumanity.io website. You can go to artofhumanity.io slash store. Please support the show by using the links on the store page, which is designed to be a guide for the products that I have incorporated into my life and in many cases, drastically improved my life. Now let's get to this week's episode. It's all about synchronicity. I met today's guest, Noah Lampert, in a synchronistic way. A while back, I found Michael Donovan's podcast, Walking Home. I interviewed him one day in New York City back in 2016. He then introduced me to Zach Leary, who I interviewed on episode 22. Flash forward to the following year. I was walking along the beach in LA with my dog while listening to Michael's podcast, and who did I run into on the beach? Michael Donovan. What a small, synchronistic world. I immediately texted Zach to let him know that I ran into Michael, who I had thought was still living in New York. This story might seem random, but I truly believe that nothing is random, and that there's a deeper map of a synchronistic universe that exists when you follow your intuition. So thanks to these awesome other people, I now know Noah, and he's my guest today. And he has a podcast network called The MindPod Network. Check it out, it has many other rad humans, and I'm honored to be a part of his network. Let's get to the interview with Noah. In this conversation, we discuss how he came up with the Synchronicity Podcast, how imagination creates reality, how to put yourself in a hypnagogic state so that you can embody what you want in your future. Let's go to the show. Noah, thank you so much for joining me on The Art of Humanity. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So it's so funny because Zach Leary introduced us and I literally just found out that I interviewed Zach exactly two years ago on this podcast. It was episode 22. So it's so coincidental and synchronistic that I am interviewing you on the exact day to the T where I interviewed Zach. <laughs> it's isn't funny. That so funny. It's funny yeah. how stuff works like that. <laughs> right, isn't it? I love it. And that's the name of your podcast, which is Synchronicity. So, yes. Yes, it is. So 
freaking cool. I love that name. And I just want to hear more about how you decided to launch a podcast called Synchronicity. That is a good question. And thank you. I'm glad you like it. It's a name that truthfully my wife came up with. She knew I was a big fan of the word and the term, primarily from Carl Jung, who he didn't come up with it. He didn't coin it, but he repopularized it when he was writing about it. And he is like, Carl Jung just has like weird ways of saying things. Like he called synchronicity an a causal pattern of orderedness. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? But what he was basically <laughs> getting at is that there's these weird moments where stuff just kind of connects in a way that maybe to an objective onlooker, it doesn't even look crazy. I mean, sometimes there's synchronicities that everyone can observe, but inherently to you, there's some deeper meaning. So I called the podcast synchronicity because in 2003, I had an experience where essentially everything I perceived was one nonstop synchronicity. And it was after a nominal, normal dose of LSD. It wasn't anything crazy, but I didn't come down for three months, basically. And that it obviously radically altered the way that I perceived the world, experienced it, and had an extended period of time to kind of investigate what was going on. So that's why I called the podcast Synchronicity. And then recently, I've come to have kind of a new realization about what synchronicities are. And what I basically say is this now, is your life is a symphony of synchronicities, and you're the conductor. And the song you're playing yourself is you're trying to remind yourself who you are constantly, constantly. It doesn't feel like this. It feels like there's some external reality that's doing these things. And it's like, whoa, that's a weird universe, but it's you. And when you wake up to it, you start to understand synchronicity's function as kind of like a little cosmic wink from yourself that you're on the right path. So I like synchronicities because they tend to ramp up when you're really doing what you're supposed to be doing. So the podcast has kind of turned into this like turbo boost for synchronicities for myself and other people who start using these kind of uh, what I call the imaginal acts, which I'm sure we will talk about plenty because those are, it's been the game changer, let's say, let's put it like that. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So this was all the way back in 2003, where yeah. everything you perceived was synchronistic. So <sighs> yeah. that's a lot of time that happened. Was it always that intense synchronicity since 2003? Or did you kind of forget no. about some synchronicities? And then it was a process of relearning how the world works when you may be on LSD, but there's like this whole other dimension kind of to reality that we don't always see or we're not able to tap into, but yeah. which was possible, I'm sure, when you were on LSD. So right, tell me a little right. bit more about the process of you know what happened then to how you became Noah Lampert today. <laughs> That's a really, again, a really good question. So I probably up until like three months ago, couldn't have told you exactly what was going on. Like that's those 16 years would have just seemed like, you know, I'm kind of unpacking the experience. I don't really know what it was, but you know, it was important and I learned a lot, but I don't really know how to integrate it into this world. What I thought was an experience that was brought on by a substance, LSD in this case, that I knew was out of my body for three months. I wasn't taking more of it. So I knew I wasn't on something and it was doing it to me physically or physiologically. But I essentially kind of made the misapprehension that there was a drug that had gotten me into this state. So what happened was, is after 
this very intense kind of high vibrational, like crazy downloads. I'm also like, keep in mind, like a young college kid at a music school in Boston, you know, with dreadlocks, like I'm, I don't, I'm just, I'm like a normal person too. Like I'm a horny kid, like, you know what I mean? Like a young adult. So like, it was just a very intense period. So after about three months of that state, I got, I crashed. I crashed super hard. I got shot up to the top of like Mount Everest. And then I just came crashing back down to earth and I got depressed for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. And luckily it was such a foreign state of consciousness to me that like I knew something was wrong after a little bit. And I, I went back home. I couldn't be in college anymore. I wasn't leaving my room. It was just like straight clinical depression. So I went back home to Maryland for a little bit. Luckily, my mom was able to like, you know, I lived in the basement for like six months, enrolled in community college, got a job like as a cashier in Bethesda, like selling tacos to rich people. It was like the worst. But basically, I, <laughs> I was in Bethesda then too. I was living in DC oh. right around that. Time. Oh no, shit! Yeah, I went yeah. to BCC. Yeah, so no I, way. I, That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a it's an interesting world. It's a yeah. small world. But basically, I also was seeing a psychiatrist at that point. I was really kind of out there. So I ended up getting clinically diagnosed as bipolar and got put on lithium for what ended up being about four or five years. I eventually went off of it with the aid of my family and a psychiatrist because I was like, listen, I don't think I need this. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm good. Like, I think something happened, but like, whatever it was, like, this ain't doing it for me. So I got off it. I've been off of it for like, 11 or 12 years, like clearly was not bipolar. But anyway, what I would say really happened is this is after this mystical experience where really I got in touch with who I was fully, but I didn't know that at the time. I thought it was a drug induced psychosis. I basically put on my normal people clothes up until about three months ago, truthfully. Like I'd mm -hmm. get little peaks here and there, like a lot of people of little synchronicities, little magical things, little kind of power, mind over matter, little like selecting versions of reality, but really just truthfully, like kind of frustrated, like Clark Kent version of myself. And then three months ago through a very quick succession of synchronicities, um, I stumbled across a 20th century mystic called Neville Goddard, who I had never mm -hmm. heard of before. Yeah. And mm -hmm basically was very taken with his ideas and found on SoulSeek, which is a peer-to-peer -peer file transfer thing. It was like a Napster from like the early 2000s, but they still have everything because it's just basically people sharing files. I looked for Neville Goddard stuff and I found like 80 talks. Wow. And the quality was terrible, like truth, like painful to listen to. But there was something about, not all of them were painful, but a lot of them were, but there was something about the way he spoke about this stuff Mm -hmm. That was just like, I was like, this is really resonant with me. Like some of the things he started to say, like really started to remind me of what had happened 16 years ago. I wasn't on drugs, right? I mean, I, I'll cop to microdosing LSD every here and there, but like certainly not a regular regimen when I'm listening to these, mm -hmm. but I'm listening to this stuff. And then he starts talking about like weird biblical stuff. And I'm like, all right, I am not into the Bible. I don't care about this stuff at all. But mm -hmm. He starts talking about how the characters in the Old and New Testaments basically are not historical accounts of what happened, but they're psychological states that we bring ourselves through. And then he starts talking about Jesus Christ. And going back 16 years ago in 2003, I grew up Jewish, right? I did not learn anything about Jesus. I did not read the New Testament. Anything I would have learned about Jesus would have been very superficial and through like 
mainstream culture, like not mm-hmm. having conversations with my friend about Jesus. But one thing that happened yeah. in 16 years ago is I knew for a fact I was Jesus Christ. It's not like I thought I was. It's not like I kind of was like, hey, I'm Jesus. I just knew that A, I was Jesus Christ. B, Jesus Christ is a consciousness. It's not a person. Yes. It literally uh-huh. is a consciousness that yeah. people tap into. Mm-hmm. And I knew that unconditional love was some generative aspect. And this is all I could talk about for three weeks. So I was like freaking everyone out. I'm talking about I'm Jesus Christ. But anyway, what Neville Gar- <laughs> Goddard started talking yeah, I mean, I was just freaking people out left and right. I was really? totally that's not tunes. part of your normal conversation, I would imagine. Before no, this, and before this, yeah. not before it, and like it's just something people don't want to hear. Like Kanye West says he's Yeezus, and people are like, "Go, Kanye, check yourself." But exactly. What, yeah, yeah, and that's Kanye fucking West, like <laughs> truly a, a master at making music and channeling a lot of this stuff. But anyway, you know what Neville Goddard was saying about Jesus Christ was that when you awaken to the reality of who you really are in this world, which is you're you, you're Jessica, I'm Noah, when you awaken to who you really are in addition to your individual self, which is God, that's called literally waking up, resurrecting in your own mind, in your skull, that's called Jesus Christ. It's not a person, it's not anything, but when that fully clicks in and you do it not through a drug, not through a Vipassana meditation for 30 days, not some altered state of consciousness, not some way of eating, not some way of being, not some way of morally forcing yourself to be, but through a very simple practice of imaginal acts where you basically do a very compact technique and you keep walking into those scenes that you imagined in this life, that begins to lead you down the path of recognizing that you can appropriate states of consciousness that maybe you thought you could only get to on drugs, or maybe mm-hmm. you thought you could only get to in a certain time of day when astrologically it lined up, or maybe when only things were going right, or when things seemed like you were in flow. Mm-hmm. And when you start doing that and start realizing you're stabilizing it yourself without the aid of anything else, shit just gets super weird, like, and mm-hmm. in the best possible way. But like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like since I found out about this, I've just been getting it out there in what I feel like is the most responsible way because this is like a mind bender. Like mm-hmm. I do refer to it like to kind of like getting popped out of the matrix if you really get this shit. Yeah, for sure. And that's not a small thing to ask of someone. No. Like you're, this radically changes your world. Yeah. And I think there's a priming process that's necessary to get there. I don't think that yeah. even if you told people this, they wouldn't be ready. A lot of people would be questioning or a moment of disbelief. And people very much today are still in their heads when figuring out if something makes sense. And the imaginal act and the imaginal process sounds like it's all about being in your body and literally feeling the emotions of a true reality that you want to, whether it's manifest or whether you want to bring to fruition. So it's so trippy when you actually are in your body and you're embodying the experience of your reality and then things show up. And then, so this is so exciting. Tell me more. Like, so this was just three (laughs) months ago and your life has taken a huge turn for the better just by applying some of these principles in Neville Goddard's books and his audio files. So it's so fascinating. I love this stuff. And it's amazing because it's like (laughs) universal law. It's like gravity. It's kind of like, People can deny gravity because you don't see it. But then when you apply gravity, you're like, oh, wait, if I hold an apple out here and drop it, it's going to fall to the earth every time. So that's a proven fact, even though you can't see gravity. 
So tell me ways right. that you can actually test and experiment with some of these processes for getting to that higher frequency or dropping out of the matrix, taking the red pill, whatever it is you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not going alt-right, hopefully, if you're taking the red <laughs> yeah, pill. But like exactly. talking about gravity, I mean, the premise is this, is that your imagination, what Neville Goddard would refer to as your wonderful human imagination creates this world. It precedes materiality. It's not something that we go to and it's kind of like a fantasy and it's like this weird thing. It's literally something that we use to summon forth things that happen in this world. This world is the after effect. So you prove this to yourself. Like, And, and again, like anyone who tells you anything about this if they say, take my word for it, or like, listen to me, I did all this stuff, see it all happen, like, don't believe them because of that. Like, I'll tell you cool shit that happened with me, but the true proof with all of this stuff is you empirically test it, test it yourself, just like you would with gravity. So again, going back to this idea of gravity is, if imagination precedes materiality, it means that stable imaginal acts, either by an individual or collectively, create the truth of the reality. So everyone believes in gravity, therefore it exists. If you start going down into different kind of unknown layers of reality, we see this with quantum mechanics, and I don't want to get too like woo with this stuff, but basically that shit starts to break down. You get stuff like non-locality, you get stuff like the observer principle, just like weird shit that doesn't make sense in our Newtonian world where gravity exists. So we can see that these laws break down at different levels no matter what. Essentially, what we're seeing there is that in the imaginal realms, in this world where we're not thinking and actively imagining things, we have basically an unknown nexus point of whatever can emerge from it. So that's important. So the technique I use um, to essentially, not um, but basically I use this technique to summon forth different versions of reality that I started using like for very practical means, like money. I had just had a kid. We spoke about it a little bit, but I was freelancing. I basically had to spend my time helping people do stuff, which was a win-win. It was great. But I had to spend my time to make money, which is like not that weird of an idea. Like that's how the la <laughs> that's how labor works, right? But it is weird when you start living another way, for yeah. sure. But <laughs> or did like I just lived 35 years of my life, like 20 years of my life thinking that's how money is made, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And I've had cryptocurrency too. So I've seen it's been made other ways, had it for a long time. So I've seen like that money is this not exactly what we think it is. However, I didn't have a recurring stream of income that I could rely on where it was basically autopilot. And it had always been a dream of mine. But anyway, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just like, I need money. So I started using this imaginal technique and I'll give the technique. And within a month and a half, before the money started rolling in, I just felt differently. And that's what I want to say about all this stuff. The most powerful thing about it isn't the material stuff you'll get, isn't the relationships. I mean, those are very powerful, but it aren't even those. It's the ability to change your mind and drop things like fear, anxiety, doubt, worry, depression, and start literally calling forth and summoning forth the best version of yourself who loves themselves, loves people around them, is always doing the thing to kind of help themselves and other people. And you do that very quickly once you realize kind of what this world is. So here's the technique. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's uh, it's hear it. It's very mm -hmm. simple. It took me 35 years to do the first step. So 
it doesn't have to take that long if you know mm -hmm. what you're doing. But it might take people sometimes short, some people a little longer. But anyway, the first step is you find something you really want. You find something you really desire. You find something you wish for, like truthfully. Now, there are different levels of this. Some people will find it difficult to wish for something really big and deep at first. Some people will find that natural. Some people will find it's easier to go for a little thing, you know, a little tangible let me see something happen before I start believing this. It doesn't matter. There's no wrong or right way to do this. But you find the thing you desire, right? Then as you're going to sleep, or you can put yourself in this state during the day, a drowsy-like state, right? It's a liminal state, an in-between state between where you're going to sleep and where you're asleep. It's a drowsy-like state. And the good thing about this is you don't need to meditate. It's not a holy space. It's not something you have to be doing certain exercises or cleansing practices. You can smoke weed. You can drink. You can take K. You can do whatever you want. Like It doesn't matter. You just have to be able to put yourself in this space. And weed is a very good thing if you know how to use it, cannabis in general, for this stuff, because it really shifts you into this imaginal way of thinking naturally, whether we recognize it or not. But anyway. So what happens next? Okay, so you put yourself in this state, and then what? In this hypnagogic mm -hmm. state. Then you're going to create a very short, compact scene that implies the thing you wished for. It's already been fulfilled. It's already happened. So the example I give over and over again, because this doesn't apply to a lot of people, is if you were working at an office, uh, you wanted a promotion, what you would imagine is someone shaking your hand saying, congratulations on the new job. And you'd say, thanks. And you'd just imagine this very short scene and you'd load it with as much sensory detail as you possibly can. As much as this world, all the senses you could possibly incorporate in that scene, loaded into that short little compact scene. And every time your mind wanders, snap it back to that. Every time it expands past it, snap it back to the short scene. And then the most important part is you're going to load the scene up with how you would actually feel in that situation. So if you wanted that promotion, you finally got it, and this is your heart's desire, imagine how you would feel. I suggest a loving emotion. You don't have to use one, but I highly suggest it. And then what I like to do, I haven't heard anyone talk about it, but it is really useful for me, and I think most people, is to turbo boost it, is also imagine that you knew you imagined this for yourself <laughs> in the scene. Yeah, I love so it. when you do that, the, yeah, the reason it's important is it evokes a sense of wonder and awe that is very, very powerful. And if what I suggest is true and what you'll experience is this is after that, you just go to sleep or you wake up, you pull yourself up from the bed or the chair, and then you don't do anything. You don't take any extra steps to make your thing happen. You can take your regular course of action, you know, I use the example, if you want to be a successful musician, keep making music, but don't make an extra call to get something done. Don't take an extra step. The reason I say that is if you do, when the thing happens, you may attribute it. You'll build a bridge of incidents that basically says, oh, well, this happened because I did X and I did Y. So that's why this happened. Your rational mind, going back to what you said before, people, you know, this will bounce off some people. Our rational minds, our analytical minds hates mm -hmm. this shit. Yeah. And it's not because they're dicks. It's not because like that part of us are, are assholes. Like it's because it, it's just trying to protect us. This puts an incredible amount of responsibility on you as an individual if this is true, right? If you prove this is yeah, true. Yeah. And you have to surrender. Yeah. It's a lot of surrendering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
feels like yeah. dying. Yeah, it feels Absolutely. like dying over and over. And yeah. I think that yeah. it just puts too much trust yeah. into this quote unquote universe or whatever you want to call it. It's this blind faith that's necessary in order for you to surrender and see what happens. And it's you. That's what it is. Like, here's the Neville Goddard trick. It makes you feel bad the first like 20 times you hear it, but he'll be like, if I say God, if I say universe, if I say Krishna, if I say Buddha, and you think of anyone but yourself immediately, you don't get this shit. That he says, he says, you failed the test. And it's not that those things don't exist. They totally exist. But the way they exist is they're inside of us. We project them outwards. We knowingly then worship or deify them and say, oh, this is just an aspect of me. If we think there's some holy thing that's out there that's not us, we're constantly going to be setting ourselves up for collapsing back into states because we won't fully understand that, no, 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 it's us. Like, you're God. You're you. Mm -hmm. You're going to like the same stuff you like. You don't have to start dressing differently. You don't have to talk differently. You can, you can do all the same stuff. You'll just be a better version of yourself who realizes, like, you literally are creating your own reality. And this is then... So true. This is, yeah, it's true. And then this is where it starts to bump up against the world at large, right? If this is mm -hmm. true, then how do we account for starving babies in Africa? How do we account for people who are in objectively impoverished, disadvantaged situations. So this is where this is going to bump up against progressive and liberal kind of ideologies of how this stuff works. However, if you fully get this stuff and you can identify a problem out in the world, two things happens. One is you recognize it's you. Everything is you. Everything that bothers you is a chance for you to realize something about you that you can fix. Because if you really want to change like something like climate change or homelessness or poverty or things like that, you need A, all of the internal resources that you could possibly have because that's super hard to do in this world right now the way things are. B, you need external resources too. You can't shy away from the things that make this world work that really make this world operate, whether that's money or connections or land or whatever it is, like there really has to be both of those things. And I think now we're starting to see that bridged from the people who are compassionate and open-minded and open-hearted. We're starting to see that those people like, let's get them some resources. Let's get people the tools so those people can understand that it's not just about purity of mind. It's also about like, let's get our shit together collectively so we can all be the best versions of ourselves. So mm -hmm. that's how the world changes for real. Yeah. And one of the tools that actually that I found useful because, you know, I did go through that kind of nihilistic state a little bit previously where you are feeling like, how is this possible? Yeah. So one of the tools that I came across was spiral dynamics which is more of like a philosophy than a tool, but it's kind of once you see the prism through which human consciousness sees the world, you'll be able to kind of notice how each person sees reality through a certain unique lens, yes. which is creating the reality. So when I stumbled across spiral dynamics, I don't know if you're familiar with it, not. but it sounds like you know the very top of the spiral dynamics is teal, and that is kind of this unity consciousness, which like you, similarly, I actually have had these types of experiences where nice. I 
feel like Jesus. And right. I'm like you, I'm Jewish. I got kicked <laughs> out of Hebrew school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I literally got kicked out of Hebrew school because I was a rebel. But um, <laughs> I have had these like really transformative experiences where I felt the unity consciousness moving yes. through me. And there was no way that I could have remained sane if I didn't realize that we are all ebbing and flowing through these different states of existence. And then I kind of looked at the little dorky map and I pulled it out. I was like, I'm such a nerd that like, <laughs> even though I fully embody it, I was like, I got out of my head for a second. I'm like, okay, what's really happening here? And of then course. I kind of explored it. Like I'm a consciousness explorer. So then I kind of explored it through the lens of spiral dynamics. And at the top of the spiral is this teal color. Just below the teal color is, I think it's a blue. It's an aqua color. Mm. And that's like kind of the... Uh, Right. It's in, you're in your mind. So it's after the green. The green is the we are all one. It's like the hippies and the people who believe we are all one. And then right above that is the you get back into your head and you realize, OK, you're really not all one. But what are we? And then you actually go one level up and then you become teal, which is this like transcendent unity Christ yes. consciousness experience. Yes. So that helped me. That helped me keep me sane, honestly, knowing that there are these different lenses of reality. So yeah. I'm curious, kind of like, how do you stay sane when you enter these <laughs> transcendent states and still stay grounded? Because you can't just fly off. No, you can't. I did it. I did being it. Jesus. No, I did it. I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah. literally what you're talking about is how I did it. I went crazy. Like anyone who has gone crazy before, and I don't mean crazy in the sense that like, there was something wrong with me. I just meant my way of fitting into this world. Like I woke up one day 16 years ago and I knew all of the names for the chakras in Sanskrit from waking up from a dream. I still know them. Like there's no explaining that. There's no like some fucking psych American Psychiatric Association definition for when that happens to someone, right? You can look at Jungian lens and say it's the collective unconscious. There is no real explanation for that. So I went nuts. I also... This time around, what is so different about it is if you spoke to me back then, I wouldn't be able to lucidly explain A, what was objectively going on with me and subjectively going on with me in the moment, but also I wouldn't be able to have any framework for relating it to anyone. This time around, internally, there's a sense of equanimity. There's a sense of groundedness. Like, Just to be clear, like what really proved to me that you can stabilize this stuff is my son was born 15 days early. Then our toddler had adenovirus, which if like a baby gets, it's like they, they'll die or something. So you basically have to separate them. Then my dad had a heart attack. He's, oh, he's fine. Then my baby was in the pediatric intensive care unit because he had RSV, which is like a just a regular cold, but babies can't clear their lungs. He was there for five days in the hospital. So all of these like objectively kind of horrible things are going on. And in the past, four months ago, three months ago, I'm a fucking wreck. I'm a neurotic nightmare of a person who just can't keep their shit together and like, especially in a very challenging situation. But this entire time through all of those events, I was fine. And it wasn't like a delusory, like detached from reality. I was present. I was at the hospital. Like, I knew what was going on, but like when you get to these states and you really recognize what's going on and you learn to like truly grapple and then grasp and then hold on to faith, which is just like, as Goddard put it, it's just loyalty to the unseen world. It's knowing that your imagination 
really is the real thing and that this world is a dream. And when you fully understand that, it doesn't mean you like go off into space and don't deal with this world. It's like if you woke up in a dream when you went to sleep last night and recognized you were in a dream, you're like, oh my God, I can do whatever I want. I can build like a magic world of wonder where everyone loves each other. You <laughs> would do that stuff. So what I'm saying to people is, is like when you fully get this, that's what's going on here. And it can be very distracting and very difficult to remember that when you look out into the world and either in your immediate surroundings or the political landscape or the geopolitical landscape or just the environmental landscape, you just get reflections back of like sheer horror. But if you recognize what's really going on and you don't run away from it and you don't, and you bear witness and you pay attention, you recognize what a precious opportunity we have to like literally be who we've always wanted to be in our heart of hearts. Then we recognize that if that's if, if, if we're real, let's say Jesus Christ. Let's talk about what Jesus Christ did. Jesus mm -hmm. Christ had the ability to bless people. Jesus Christ had the ability to heal people, right? We can look at this in terms of practical, like you come up with something that helps people, or you can look like if you fully get this, you can start casting spells on people, like really, really amazing spells. All good spells though, right? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, mm -hmm. here's the truth with all of this stuff. Like, you know, I used to like believe karma was like an unbreakable law, right? It's not. Nothing is. Anything we imagine, that's the only thing that's unbreakable, that that is a reality and it creates things in this world. So karma is like 80% real. No, this you could use this for horrible, horrible things. Look at the world for proof of it. This People are doing this every day. Like This is how we live our lives, whether we know it or not. Like There's bad shit out there. I choose to focus only on the positive because I just feel like that's where I prefer to be, but I definitely can see how it can go both ways, for sure. The light and the dark. I mean, the yin and the yang, it's all there. Yeah. I got a dose. So what happened to me during this kind of like wake up moment over the past two months is I've always associated with two things, kind of the divine feminine, which has guided me in my entire life, and light. And I got a real wake up call about something, which was... I got masculine energies in me and I got a whole lot of dark too. And when you start up-leveling levels of consciousness, you best believe that stuff is going to come out and show you what's going on. So it's not that it's bad. It's not that it's like objective. Like I'll, I'll give like quick little story about like the ego and kind of just how we can apply this to everything that we maybe might judge and say it's not good because the ego gets a bad rap, right? It's like, sh quiet down the ego, you know, get, tell the ego to be quiet. Like, you know, don't let it run your world. And it's like, this is what happened to me one night. So when you start doing this, um, yes. So you'll like this because you're, you're a dog person. So like when you start doing this imaginal stuff and you start taking it seriously and you start really getting it, you'll start having these weird visions that come unprompted. And at first you won't really know what they mean, but sometimes you'll get like a flash of insight. And William Blake, you know, the poet and mystic was like doing this all the time and like annoying his friends. So bear with me on this stuff when I sound like a weirdo. But basically I was doing this imaginal stuff. I don't know what I was trying to imagine. And I just, it's all of a sudden I'm in the woods. I'm in the middle of the woods. It's nighttime. There's a fire in the middle. There's trees all around me. And I'm like near the fire and I see a wolf and this wolf is just like circling and snapping and snarling. And it's just like in real life, it feels like I'm really there too. Just to be clear, I'd be terrified. I'd be like, oh fuck, this wolf is going to eat me. This is bad. 
but I'm not. I'm calm in this scene. It's circling around me. It's getting closer and closer, smaller and smaller circles. And it's getting really close, still snapping, still looking like it's going to rip my arm off. And I tell it to come and I tell it to sit and it sits. Then I start petting it and then I start cuddling it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my ego. Like, this is literally like, I get it now. I like, I totally get it. Like this is, it's on defense. It's, it's so amped up. It's trying to protect me. Even if it doesn't recognize me, it's just trying, it's just like amped up because it doesn't want me to get hurt, but it doesn't recognize what's going on. If anything comes in its field, it's just going to be mean towards it and angry towards it. But if you recognize what it is and you make friends with it and you love it, it's your best bud. Like that's a cool ass badass wolf. Like in Game of Thrones, you have a dire wolf to like do your bidding. Like, so you need like, not that one needs to understand this, but like when you get to those levels of insights and start learning how to like use your ego in a healthy way, rather than subduing it and kind of getting rid of the desirous aspects of it, it's just really transformative stuff. Yeah. Life becomes a lucid dream. You wonder kind of if you're really dreaming. And there are so many situations like that that happened to me. And and it's funny that you share that dream or actually it was more of like a a meditation you said. It was just like a weird, like you'll be doing one of these things like I want money or something. And then it'll be like, I, why am I in the forest? What the hell is this? <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. Exactly. So I had a similar dream to you and it involves an animal as well. And it's so interesting that your perspective on that was the ego because I was climbing up a mountain and I get to the top of the mountain and there's this huge bear and it's looking at me and I would normally be freaked out. I'd be so scared of it. But it just looked at me and we kind of locked eyes and I didn't know what it was going to do. And I there was zero fear in my body. And I just kind of kept walking towards it. And as the closer I got towards it, I noticed that it was a bear costume. And the bear starts taking off his mask and there was a human underneath it. So it's so fascinating to hear that your perspective is the ego because I think we're on similar paths or wavelengths because I've been getting these downloads too. And it is the healthy ego. You know, there is that scary ego which yeah. defends and just snarls and is scary. But then there's the one underneath the masks that we all wear that's beautiful and it's there and it's solid and it has compassion and love and joy and it's just yeah. exuding this beautiful energy but it, you have to get rid of that like external ferociousness of our bad ego or so to speak so yeah and like this is where i think again this imaginal stuff this is the real power of it and like power is a word that probably would have, not probably it would have scared me it would have seemed like something dirty like why do i need to be powerful why do i need to be exercising power but like the real power is that you can start just dropping the bullshit right you can just stop dropping the parts of you that hold you back from doing the things you really want to do and like this is where i've kind of not clashed but i've noticed some issues with a lot of the kind of Eastern philosophies. And I love them just to be clear, still like the gospels of Ramakrishna is still one of my favorite things of ever. It's just like a blueprint for mystical experiences. But Mm -hmm. a lot of the Vedic and Buddhist stuff translated and brought over by Westerners or then taught by people from those places and then brought to Westerners is this idea of non-attachment or the karmic implications of desire. Mm -hmm. And that's what switched it for me. Like I've done active meditation. I've studied with preeminent meditation teachers in this country and just in the world. And 
What always kind of got me about it is when I would clear my mind and I would notice the monkey mind and I would get to a pace, place of stability, I'd literally always go like, and now what? Yes. And like, and now what? Like, what do I do now? And then if you go to a teacher, they'll say, oh, well, that's just another thought. Get behind it. You know, get to the place where you're just noticing. And I'm like, okay. But when I started using this imaginal stuff, and like, if you look at it, by the way, look at Dzogchen, look at Tibetan Buddhism, the deepest, most secret teachings that they do. It's all imaginal work. Mm -hmm. They have you visualize these lotus petals, and then there's this color, and then there's this consort, and they're that color, and they're holding this in their arm. All of this stuff all over the world is built on these imaginal principles. But when I started using these imaginal techniques, I finally had a way to direct kind of this emptiness, this void, this canvas. I had a way to kind of direct my intention somewhere and pursue these desires. And some of them led me into trouble. And it's almost into trouble. It was really controlled nosedives is what I learned. But basically, a lot of them showed me who I really am and very quickly. And I think if we suppress and deny that and make the misapprehension that there's going to be some like karmic price to pay all the time, I think that's totally wrong. Right. I don't think that that it's just it's a mis, misguided for sure way of looking at things. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I get it. I was there too. It's like, okay, what is beyond the enlightenment? It's not like we reach enlightenment and then we're done with our humanity. It's actually right. grounding that enlightenment onto the planet. We're here on this earth. We actually have to use that enlightenment to create a reality. Why don't we create a reality that's for the better? You know, so it's taking yeah. that transcendent experiencing and realizing your power, as you said, and then implementing that into whether it's even small things, even small things that become reality that show you that you are a powerful creator. Exactly. And it is so then, powerful when oh, that happens. It's your world, right? Yeah. It's your world. Yeah, that's just happened. I mean, you can test it with really small things and things that you can't explain in your logical mind that start happening in ways that just have a sense of humor. Like the universe has such a yeah. sense of humor when it does this too, because it's literally giving you that cosmic wink. As you yes. said, just the other day, I was walking my dog with my boyfriend. My dog's name is Karma, by the way. Nice. <laughs> and yeah. I was sharing a story about the power of numbers. And I was like, yeah, there is this golden ratio and just really diving deep and nerding out over numbers and you know the Fibonacci sequence. And I say, numbers are everywhere. And then we meet another dog on our walk. And I asked the owner what the dog's name was. And she says, his name is Pi. <laughs> and I was like, can you clarify <laughs> yeah, the spelling okay. of that? And she's like, just P-I. And, yeah, and I looked at my boyfriend. We both started laughing because we were literally just talking about 3.14. And then we meet a dog named Pi. <laughs> you touched on like a super important thing because it goes back to like, how do you stay sane? Right. So there's the quote from Joseph Campbell that the, the, as he calls it, I think the psychotic, the psychotic drowns in the same waters that the mystic swims in with delight. So that's an important thing to remember because when you're talking about a lot of this stuff and you get detached from reality and things get overly serious or overly anything, you're probably getting a little bit off course. But if you can see the absolute hilarity, like those little synchronicities like that, where it's just like, this is so silly. Like <laughs> this is so obviously ridiculous and proof that there's something else going on. Like when I say your life is a symphony of synchronicities, like 
that's everything all of the time. And I don't, there's no exceptions is constantly trying to communicate this fundamental truth to you, which is you are running the show. Nothing out there, even as external as it seems, Donald Trump, whatever it is, it's you. You're running this version of reality for yourself for a reason. And I, I would say the reason is, is like, when we don't have bodies, when we're not here in this world, what we think and what we imagine happens very quickly very, very quickly. So we come here for a variety of reasons, but one of them is so we can stabilize and get used to, like, luckily, if I imagine some horrible thing, it doesn't happen right then. You know what I mean? I, there's time, there's intention, there's ways of changing it. There's no predeterminism that you can't go and kind of alter some scenario you imagined. Thank God. Because we don't have control. Like if we mapped out all of our thoughts and imaginal acts throughout a day and looked at it at the end of the day, we'd be like, what the hell is the matter with me? Why did I think all of these horrible things about myself? Like this is just not like, this is a, I, do I hate myself? So when you start recognizing that, you just start like, you, those thoughts go away because you're like, why would I think that about myself? And mm -hmm. it seems so far-fetched if you're not naturally doing this. But like I was someone who would say was very well adjusted, very happy, would have put myself on like eight out of tens on all the positive metric scales. But looking back, seeing how much shit I was just carrying on to, not that I'm perfect now, I was not eights. I was like fives yeah. at best. Uh -huh. Yeah, because I think a lot of that is being in our heads and thinking that we're happy. But until we're actually feeling it in our bodies and living it and testing it and actually living the truth of who we really are, I think we're always going to stay at those. And you don't really know. You don't, you don't know, know yeah. the level of your consciousness until you kind of like level up and look back and you're like, wow, I thought that or I was that person. And life is so trippy because we're always evolving and growing and you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and and you just we don't. are these multidimensional yeah, exactly. creatures and animals and on this planet spinning. And it blows my mind. And there is no such thing as time once you tap into this. I think Einstein said it best was the only reason for time is that everything doesn't happen at once. And there is... And why do we know about Einstein? Why do we know about Einstein? You know why, right? We know about Einstein because of his theory of relativity and special relativity. And how did he come to that? How did he, he talks about it all the time. He imagined himself on a beam of light and looked around and built his formulas from that. Every single person you go back and look at will literally tell you that they've done this. From like David Byrne, who talks about it in a song pulled up, The Talking Heads, from William Blake to Einstein to the dude who took LSD and came up with the double helix. Like all of this stuff, like this is how everything works. Literally everything. It's insane. I just got full body chills. <laughs> yeah. It really is. That's insane. I know. I love it. And Einstein, you know, was on this beam of light and Jesus Christ, no one really knows kind of what acid he was on or what mushrooms he was on. But you know what? It isn't anything external. That's the point. There is, as you, you were saying earlier, it's you and you can get there through whether it's a meditative state or through anything. So what is like one practical takeaway that, you know, say listeners are completely new to these concepts? What is one takeaway that they can use and apply in their lives today? Use the technique I mentioned, but one that I think that connects with the time as kind of like not existing and as a prism and that we know and can prove this is 
a lot of people carry around trauma and just a lot of stuff from previous experiences that have happened to them in this life. And one of the ways you can use these imaginal techniques is the same way I described as before, but find an event that caused you trauma, whether it was shame or fear or doubt or whatever it is. Go back to it, recreate the scene in the same way, sensory vividness, and just rewrite it the way you know you should have handled it or you, the way you wish you could have communicated to the other person and how they would have reacted. And just do it in the same way. Short, compact scenes, snap back to it. And I promise you, your life will change. Your consciousness will change before anything else. But you'll also get external validation that something internally has changed. That's the most powerful way to kind of time travel and kind of do, you know, like psychic surgery on your past self, which links up with your present self. Because I did that for a lot of relationship stuff. And then when old kind of karmic patterns presented themselves, I saw what was going on. And even though it felt like I couldn't avoid what was happening, I saw that I could. And I saw that like there was a path forward that involved me not repeating the same mistakes and same kind of patterns that were harmful to myself and other people. So it's pretty powerful stuff and practical. It is really practical and powerful if you stay grounded with it. Like there are moments where you have to maybe reach out to a therapist and talk to someone. So if anyone listening is might need that help, there's always that support out there for you. But if you are on the spiritual path and you are meditating a lot, I do want to like mention that it is dangerous. Like there are downsides to meditation, which I've experienced too. So it's you really just need to stay grounded in applying these theories. Otherwise, you will be in another universe, <laughs> which can be a good thing if you do want to go insane and come back down and apply those principles. <laughs> you know, here's how I describe it, just to like give it the, the easiest way. If you do this and shoot yourself up to the top of the mountain, the view's the exact same. But if you skip to the end where you imagine yourself grounded, stabilized, a sense of equanimity and understanding this, because that way you have all the tools to climb the mountain yourself. You go around the icy patches, you go around the hard stuff, you know, you know how you got there. And if you're at the top and you love the view, it's the same, but you need to go back down to talk to someone or do something, you can also do that. So that's why I think like a lot of this stuff is when you get it, get it, like you can really just skip ahead to the best version of yourself and then let the rest unfold. And luckily there are other people out here talking about this stuff and going through it. And I encourage people to always like feel free to contact me or anyone else who seems like they have some perspective on what the hell is going on in this crazy world. Just because like it can be very disorienting, like you're saying, incredibly disorienting. And from someone who's gone through it, like I know how kind of terrifying that can be at times. So yeah, staying grounded is incredibly important, but skip to the part. Imagine yourself being grounded and getting this stuff, and then we can just start changing the world like pretty soon. Yeah, amen to that. And yeah, likewise, there are so many amazing people out there who have kind of been on this path. And sometimes the therapists are helpful, but they're too grounded. So it's important to strike that perfect balance depending on yeah. where the needs are and the current state. So what's next for you, Noah? Any more enlightenment light beams? in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I'm calling my shot here. Things are just getting so crazy. I mean, like I said, when you get this, like I did a silly thing. I did a very silly thing. I imagined that I was going to meet 
and reach my creative potential. And if you do something like that, you might not be understanding what like ripcord you're pulling there because <laughs> it is it is happening. So just things are going very well for me. I'm going to be making a lot of music over the next year. I have a new podcast series that I'm working on with a friend that's going to be pretty cool. We'll be out in LA for that in the coming you know next six months or so. Just like there's cool stuff happening. We're just like truthfully, we're. I just want people to know that they are in control. You are in control of your own life. Like you are not just the leaf getting blown around in chaos and pandemonium. Like you do exercise the ultimate control of your life. And when you prove it to yourself, you can finally start doing what you've always wanted to do. And you may be surprised at what that is, but like I rest assured you can do it if you want to. So that's what's next for me. Amen. I love it. And here's to reaching our creative potential. That's awesome. Yeah, it's the best. It feels so good. Thank you so much for joining me, Noah. Thank you. You made it to the end of this podcast. This means the world to me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Feel free to hop on over to my podcast website, artofhumanity.io, for show notes or past interviews. You can also message me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My name is Jessica Ann, and my handle is beingishuman. That's B-E-I-N-G-I-S-H-U-M-A-N. I'd love to hear from you and learn more about what you've enjoyed from this episode. If you really love this podcast, I'd highly appreciate it if you went on Apple Podcasts right now and left a review. It helps way more than you know. You can also share this episode with two of your friends who you think would enjoy it. Let's get the Art of Humanity movement going. Thank you for listening. Until the next episode, evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Listen, explore, evolve. Thank you.